Like Billy said, 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, you will need a Bible today because not everything we have is going to be, or all, all the scripture is going to be up on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Just come find one of us after the gathering. Or you can easily download a Bible app on your smart device if you'd like. We're in the middle of a series talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Last week we started uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. What they are, why God gave them, for what purpose. And over the next four weeks, starting today, we're going to be talking about some of the specific gifts of the Spirit. Namely those that uh, are the most misunderstood, misused, or have the most mystery surrounding them. Today, we are starting a two-week deal on the gift of prophecy and words of knowledge. Today will be part one. Next week, finish it up in part two. I would encourage you to be here next week or make sure you check that out because this is only uh, half (laughs) of of what we're talking about. And just FYI, I'm going to be sharing some stories today from different people in the body at Reality Ventura who uh, have prophetic gifts. And I just want us to know that these are people that I personally know, love, um, trust, that God has used profoundly. I'm so thankful for them over the last several years in, in how we lead and, and how the body of Christ is supposed to work, right? Like I may have teaching and leading gifts, and they, with their prophetic gifts, these things work together and help us lead the church how um, we've been leading. So our springboard text today is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation because it says it perfectly. It says, Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. This is God's good word for us today, Reality Ventura. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your living, active, sharp word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to see the truth of your word. And in tandem, with partnership with your word, opens our eyes to see the love of the Father. And so we ask right now, Lord, that the love of the Father would be over and over shed abroad in our hearts. Right now, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive in love everything that you have for us. Lord, I ask if there's any barriers up in any of our hearts or minds or anything clogging our ears or shielding our eyes from seeing, knowing, hearing, experiencing, even feeling what you want us to. We ask that you would, in Jesus' name, just break those things down because we want the fullness of who you are. We want to hear, see, know all that you have for us today. We ask that you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let love... Be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. We're going to come back to the first part of this, which is actually the most important part of this whole text here. But first, let's look at the second half where Paul says that we ought to desire earnestly all of the gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. Desire earnestly. Have you ever desired something earnestly? Since, since I was 14, I, I have desired earnestly the body of a Greek god. Okay? And everything that comes along 
with that. I'm just being honest with you. And so, because of that, I, I've always been like a kind of a chubby kid, right? And so I've done, you know, every single diet there is known to man. Every single fitness plan. I've researched mold over. I haven't read that many books in my life, but half of them have been about health and nutrition, right? I've done everything on the planet. My earnest desire caused me then to work for something. And I haven't gotten great results, but I've been working. <laughs> Knowing what an optimal body would do in me, the kind of health and energy and all of that, not to mention it just look good, all of that, knowing what it would be, knowing the fruit of it, caused me to earnestly desire it, which caused me to take certain steps. Paul says, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. We all earnestly desire something because we know the benefits. My prayer today is that God would help us to see the benefits of the gift of prophecy in such a beautiful way that it would stir in our hearts to then earnestly desire the gift. Because I'm going to be honest, uh, there's a lot of things I earnestly desire, not all of them as trivial as the body of a Greek God, but I rarely earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Or even spiritual gifts at all. I think I, I probably did at one point in my life when I first started walking with Jesus. But at this point, I think honestly, I'm like, well, I guess whatever I have at this point is probably all I'm going to get. Right? So I'm not going to earnestly desire anything else I don't have. But God says, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. And this week, man, I'm going to tell you guys, this week, God has stirred so much in my heart this new, fresh desire for more of what God has for me in this area and to grow more in what I already do have. So if, listen, if, if today when you hear the phrase prophecy or the gift of prophecy or to prophesy and you, you'd usually kind of like shut off your ears or like, oh, that's, that's somebody else's gift or that's weird, I don't, that freaks me out or whatever, don't, don't do that. Today, cleanse your palate, cleanse your palate, know that God says earnestly desire this gift. I think there is more of us that God wants to give it to. And some of us already have it and we don't know. God wants to wake that up in us. Some of us have it and we're just afraid to use it or we had a bad experience or whatever. God is wanting to clean the palate of all of that and wake stuff up in us today. So I'd like to frame our topic of prophecy with three words. What, why, and how. And each one of them is as equally as important as the other. And you can think of it or imagine it like a triangle, okay? Uh, when I was in fourth grade, I did a science project, entered it into the science fair, and I was going to prove what was the strongest shape of all the shapes. I didn't win anything in the science project, but I did discover that a triangle was the strongest of all of the strengths, any uh, shapes. Any engineers or contractors in here, we know that, we know that the triangle is the strongest of the shapes, and just like a triangle, if you remove or compromise any three of the sides, then the stability and effectiveness of the whole thing begins to fail. Such is the case with the gifts of the Spirit. We must know the what. What is the New Testament gift of prophecy? What is it is not? We must know the how. How do we go about prophesying? What is the, the goal of it? What is the, the motivation of it? What are the guidelines for it? And the why. What is the purpose that God gave the gift of prophecy in the first place? 
And you may know the, the what, and you may know the how. But if you don't know why, if you don't know, for instance, the purpose, why God gave the gift in the first place, then both the one prophesying and the one receiving are not going to receive the full benefit of how God intended the gift to be used. And this is where many of the issues have arisen in the church over church history. And in the last, you know, 50 years, especially in places like America, is that one of the three sides of the triangle is either like weak or non-existent or is somehow like misinformed. And so then the whole stability and effectiveness of the thing is compromised. But today and next week, The goal is to shed some light on the subject and to help strengthen each of the three sides of the triangle and stir our hearts to really desire this gift for our lives. So what, why, and how? First of all, what? A definition and overview of the gift of prophecy. We're going to tackle the first two today, what and why, and then next week we'll spend the whole morning talking about how. What? Definition here, the gift of prophecy is the human reporting of divine revelation, speaking forth in merely human words something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. It's been said that prophecy is a specific word from God to a specific person or people at a specific time for a specific purpose is the simple way to think about it. Prophecy involves a revelation from God and then faithfully reporting that revelation to others. We're going to come back to talk about prophecy, but before we go on, another gift of the Spirit that often works in tandem with the gift of prophecy and another gift that we would put under the umbrella of prophetic gifts is the gift of word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is God transmitting to you his specific knowledge about something or someone that you would otherwise have no ability or means to know outside of the revelation of God. Some would refer to it as as God's secrets, right? God telling you secrets about somebody else, obviously for a purpose that we will talk about today. The first and scariest word of knowledge that I ever received in my life was when I was 19 years old. I had just come home from Bible college for the summer, and I was at a church bi- barbecue for my home church. And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating a hamburger, and I'm in a little group of, like, people that all have chairs like this. And there was this couple who was in their, about to go into their senior year of high school that I knew, loved them. The, the, the guy was part of the worship team. Uh, the, the girl was one of the youth leaders, loved them, we're chit-chatting. I get nervous just thinking about it right now, like my stomach is in, like, knots right now. And, uh, God, so clearly, as clear as day, this is a, it's a word of knowledge, God's secrets, said, they've been sleeping together, and she's pregnant. And I, not, not the kind of word of knowledge you want to get, right? Like, and I was like, wow what do I do, right? And so I, 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 I sat there, kept trying to eat, although my appetite went away. And uh, I pull him aside, and I, I say, hey, are you guys sleeping together, and are you pregnant? Like, so out of the blue, right? They're like youth leaders, super involved in the church. Like, this dude's dad's the worship leader at the church, right? Are you guys sleeping together, and are you pregnant? And they just begin to, like, weep. And they're like, yes, dude, we don't know what to do. We, like, slipped into this. We, like, feel like we can't get out of it. We're trapped. God was 
through the word of knowledge, opening a door into their lives and hearts for me to come in and have a place and bring the Holy Spirit into this situation, in this space where they needed God to come in and meet them, right? Both to like call them out of their sin and into repentance, both to, to come into their place where there was just full of shame and guilt and like fear, and, you know, I, I went with them to the, the parents' house, and I was there to tell them. I was able to just walk with them through this deal. And the word of knowledge convinced them that they were on the heart of God. And they, they repented and stopped living in sin. But also began to speak to them God's love. And even though they had screwed up, that God was going to redeem their situation and could redeem their situation, and that he was not leaving them, that he was going to be there in the midst of them. A word of knowledge has the ability to say to the person receiving, what? God, like, I'm on God's heart? So much so that he would speak to this random person a secret about my life that they shouldn't know? Like, God's thinking about me like that? And it will often open up the heart to receive a word or a touch, often even healing from God. And the words of knowledge will often proceed for this purpose, uh, a prophetic word, a prophecy, or like I said, even a, like a supernatural healing. Words of knowledge have a way of opening up a person's heart and stirring faith for what is to come. So I may not mention specifically words of knowledge that many more times as we're talking through today, but I, I just want to to say that when I say prophecy or to prophesy or the prophetic gifts, that words of knowledge often, it's included in that. It falls under that. Now, sometimes when we think about prophecy, we, we think that it only exclusively always have to, has to do with a revelation of the future. And that is certainly the case often, but not always. Again, prophecy is simply a specific word of God given to a specific people or person at a specific time about a specific situation. And so that means that it is, a prophetic word can be a revelation about the present, about the past, or the future. I'm going to tell some stories now as we talk about these. Um, It can be about the past, or a prophetic word a prophecy can be about something about the past. Sean Bowles, who has a ministry that revolves really around the prophetic gifts, tells a story about him being given an audience with the president of a South American country. And when he was asked if there was anything he was supposed to share with the president, there were several things. But one of them was a word of knowledge and a prophetic word about this president's family and something that had happened to his daughter years ago. He felt that God wanted to share with the president that God had forgiven him for what had happened with his daughter. When he told the president, he broke down crying, saying, I didn't know if God could ever forgive me for that, but I have asked him every day to forgive me for allowing that to happen. God was addressing something that had happened in this man's life and then revealing his heart to the man through the prophecy. God could also give revelation about something that is happening in the present. A brother from our church, who's an intercessor, shared a story with me from a few weeks ago. He said, a few Sundays ago, during the second set of worship, I felt the Spirit lead me across the room to someone that I didn't know to share what was impressed on my heart for them. I stepped out in faith and went and whispered in their ear. I spelled there wrong, sorry. Whispered in their ear what I believed God was saying. I think my whispering freaked them out a bit, laugh out loud. But I told them anyways, 
The Lord has been with you the last handful of painful months during the full tearing down and rebuilding of your foundation. He is walking with you, carrying you, guiding you. He will not forsake you, and he will complete his work and bring you to greater capacity for the kingdom. I didn't wait around to see how they would respond. I just gave the word and then left. But a few weeks later, this person heard my voice from across the room and asked if it was me that prayed for them as their eyes were closed and it was dark so they could not see me that day. I replied, yes. And they shared that that was the most prophetic time that has ever occurred in their life, and it was 100% spot on to what had been going on for the last six months. This prophetic insight and word brought hope and a connection to God for this person. And it built their faith and mine as I stepped out in obedience and they received a full, tangible touch from the Lord. He gets the glory and we get the blessings. Win-win. God was addressing something currently happening in the present and sharing his heart on the matter. Prophecy could also be about, as it often is, something in the future. A woman in our church shared a story with me. She said... We struggled with infertility and miscarriage for five years before becoming pregnant with our first child. When I was about two months pregnant, the Lord told me that I was carrying a fighter. I said, Lord, do you mean like a boxer? He said, no, like a mighty warrior. Then, when I was about six months pregnant, the Lord told my husband that our child would have to fight just to get here. This prophetic word informed how we needed to pray for our son and his delivery. At 35 weeks, I was put on bed rest as our baby wasn't growing well. A week later, I was having an emergency C-section as our son was breached, the cord wrapped twice around his head, very low amniotic fluid, notching in the cord, and other issues. He was born at three pounds, six ounces. But by the grace of God, and even though he was in the NICU for 21 days, he was so strong and never needed supplemental oxygen. God speaking to us prophetically beforehand assured us that God knew exactly what would happen and that every step of the process was covered by his sovereign hand of love. Five years later, our Josiah Cain is strong and healthy. God had spoken to them prophetically about something coming in the future. And in this case, it was in order to warn them, in order to direct them in how to pray and to comfort them that he saw the future and that he knew what was coming and that he would be with them through it. Past, present, future. Now, a prophecy could come in the form of an encouragement, like we saw with Sean Bull's story with the president, president in the form of a warning about something like we just read from this woman, her family, and their baby. A rebuke or a correction like we often see, saw with Jesus uh, getting these prophetic words about the religious leaders, for instance. It could come in the form of an insight about something that is unknown, but always from a place of and with the goal of love. More on that later. And a prophecy can be revealed from God through, first of all, a previously recorded word from God, i.e. scripture. Sometimes prophecy may come in the form of a a previously recorded word as from scripture. God illuminates scripture and gives it a special life and power for that specific moment, for those specific people at that specific time. This is how Emily and I, when we were pregnant with our first daughter, Selah, 15 years ago, knew that we were supposed to move to Reality Carpinteria or Carpinteria and start with this church in a city that I didn't even know existed in California. One Sunday night, 
My wife was feeling discontent in a holy way with where we were at. She went into the room. She prayed, said, I'm going to go pray. I watched TV. She came out. She said, God just spoke to me about where we're supposed to move. And I said, where? And she said, I don't want to tell you. I want God to speak to you too. So the next day, I'm sitting there. I'm praying. I have my Bible. I'm like, Lord, we know you're calling us somewhere. But where? He said, Isaiah 42. I said, well, I never heard that before. Isaiah 42. I said, what? I open it up, and I just, God just starts to illuminate Scripture. Everything is about the coastlands, and the coastlands shall declare my praise. And behold, I'm doing a new work in the coastlands, coastlands, coastlands. And it was like coastlands were popping off the page. And I was like, Lord, you're calling us to the coastlands. So I went to my wife. I said, baby, I think God just spoke to me about where we're supposed to move. She said, how did he speak to you? I said, through, Bi- through the Bible. She said, what book? I said, the book of Isaiah. She said, what chapter? <laughs> I said, 42. She said, coastlands? I said, yeah. She said, look at my journal from yesterday. That's what God spoke to me last night. We're moving to the coastlands. And then we were like, where the heck is the coastlands? <laughs> Sometimes God, as many of us have experienced, will illuminate scripture in order to speak to us prophetically. Then we came up here. On a, we just started driving up the coast. We were like, we don't know where the coast. We're just going to stop in every coastal city in California and see what happens, right? We get to Santa Barbara. We had met Britt one time. He says, hey, do you want to come lead worship at the college ministry uh, Friday nights at Calvary Santa Barbara? I said, sure, man. We roll up. <clears throat> we had told him God's calling us to the coastlands. That's all we said. We didn't say anything about Isaiah 42. He's introducing us at the microphone. Britt says, hey, this is Dominic and Emily. They're from down in San Diego. God's calling them to the coastlands. And he stops mid-sentence and he turns around and he says, coastlands. Isaiah 42, huh. turns back around, and I was all, what? Apparently, God had been speaking to them about doing a new, fresh work in the coastlands, which became like reality's theme here in the coastlands on this coastal strip right here. God was illuminating Scripture in a prophetic way in order to speak to us and lead us. A few of our worship leaders, often God leads them in prophetic ways like this, <clears throat> that God will show them a Scripture um, yeah, I was going to tell a story, but I don't, I don't have time. So sometimes it is a word that is not previously recorded from, a not, a, a not previously recorded word from God, i.e. not scripture, but is something that God is wanting to communicate to someone for that time and that situation, And that's how the prophetic was intended to work, right? It was intended to work in tandem with Scripture. Prophecy can be non-Scripture, but always must come under the authority of Scripture. A brother in our congregation who often operates in this gift shared with me that it's like this for him. Someone will walk by or something, someone will catch my eye, and I'll just notice that it seems like something is happening, and there is something I need to discern or notice about them. I sense something instantly about that person, so I start to think it about it and pray about it and ask the Lord what he has for that person. So I get the impression, I try to develop it into something concrete. Then I ask the Lord if I'm supposed to share it or not. And at this point, God says, Yes, the thing is shared. The prophecy is shared. And what happens when this takes place is that it is not as Scripture. We do not take a word like this as Scripture, as we'll talk more about in a minute. But rather, the gift of prophecy works in tandem with Scripture and comes under the authority of and is submitted to Scripture. In other words, if somebody prophesies to you that, hey, God's not going to accept you fully until you 
start going to church more, start reading scripture more, or start doing this thing. You take that and submit it to scripture where scripture says, no, 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 no. I'm saved by grace. It's a free gift. I'm saved by faith, through faith. It is not uh, of any works. So this, this, this thing, this word this person gave that they thought they were hearing from God does not line up with scripture. It does not take authority. Only scripture has the authority and all prophetic things must come under submission to the authority of scripture. But does God speak outside of scripture? Absolutely. In Romans 1, it says that God reveals himself to people through nature, through stuff they're just seeing. We see in Acts chapter 10 that God spoke to Peter the entire destiny of the Gentiles being saved through a vision. It wasn't through scripture, it was through a a vision. And we see this in the book of Acts all the time. God speaking to the apostles where to go, what they should do, warning them about this and that. In the Old Testament, we see it. With like the prophet Isaiah when he says, you will hear a word or a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That is God speaking prophetically outside of scripture. And these things did not compete with scripture. They worked in tandem with it. Prophecy can also come in the form of dreams and visions that are given to communicate something from God. When the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church in Acts 2, they were all filled with the Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. And Peter, in explaining what was happening, he reads Joel chapter 2, or quotes Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and he says, After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. So sometimes... The prophetic can come through a dream, a picture, or a vision. This is how God spoke to us about the season that our church is in. Since right after Easter, if you've been around, you know that we've been talking about God wanting to tear down walls in people's lives and to break open dams that are preventing the fullness of, 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 of us receiving the flow of what God has for us. There were prophetic pictures that God showed us and then confirmed to us. And it originally started with one specific picture that a brother in the church, one of the intercessors at the church that we know and love and trust, saw a vision of the Matilaha Dam, and it was cracking. And he sat with it for a while and said, Lord, what is this? God began to show him, this is, this is for reality of interior. Okay, what does it mean? And God began to show him, man, there's, there's, there's like walls, but stuff's beginning to break open. And until it does, like, the people aren't going to experience the fullness of what I have for them. And so that helped us as leaders as it was confirmed. We prayed over and sat with it like, whoa, and that confirmed some things we were already praying as leaders. And it was like, whoa, yes, God is, God is doing this. A couple months later, three different people at three different times all saw a different wall. It was the walls of Jericho. And God spoke identical things to three of us at different times and began to even show us, hey, there's something about musical worship that's going to be powerful in helping these walls tear down. So that informed us and the worship leaders and the worship team in, okay, this is the role that musical worship plays, and this is what God is wanting us to do. And as we shared that with you, then you were able to start identifying, like, do I have any walls that God's wanting to tear down? Okay, that thing. Wow, I need to, I need to, I need to aim my arrow, ammo, so to speak, at that thing right there. 
And as, as some have shared, even on Sundays in the, few, the last few weeks, these, some of these crazy, like, lifetime walls have begun to tear down. All of a sudden, people are getting freed. And God is breaking through in people's lives. This brother who saw this dam shared that usually when he sees pictures or visions like this, he said, I see images. Historically, they're from my past, places I have been in nature, being an outdoorsman, and then sometimes just fresh pictures. Then I begin the process of discerning what it means. Sometimes the discernment of what it means comes fast, and other times I press in and work for it for 15, 30, or 90 minutes, sometimes even months, or even years. A sister in the church who often sees prophetic dreams and visions shares that for her, it usually plays out like this. She said, when I see, quote-unquote, a picture, it is often something that I feel more than I see. I guess the best way to describe it is when you listen to a certain type of music and it paints an image in your head that you can't necessarily see, but you can feel it moving you. It's taken a lot of stepping out and getting it wrong to really know when this is of the Lord. Another woman from the church described it as seeing something in her mind's eye, similar to how you might picture or imagine a scene of some kind in your mind. Dreams and visions. And lastly, sometimes the prophetic may come as a sense or impression. Sometimes this is uh, something that is discerned or felt in the spirit, an impression of what God is saying or doing. One gal describes it like this for her. I almost always get impressions. I've only actually seen something that looks real a handful of times. Most often I can physically feel something in my body or emotions that weren't there before. I sometimes feel pain in my body that wasn't there before. And it can be a physical affliction or it could be pointing to an emotional pain. I always ask God whether it's literal pain or metaphorical for something else that's going on. Sometimes it's both. Another gal from our church says it like this. Most of the times the Lord speaks to me, it's an overwhelming feeling of something or another. Compassion, even fear. Oh, and sometimes, this one is trippy for me. Often when I lead worship, I am feeling some sort of negative, negative, something negative like fear or sorrow. The Lord opens my eyes to see what is the that is most of the time, that it is not just a personal way I am feeling. It is how I am supposed to intercede that morning and battle in worship. It's like for a moment he gives me his eyes to see what is happening in the congregation and then his heart on how to pray over the believers in the gathering. I love that. It takes my eyes off myself. And we have all experienced this as we've been led by like some of these people. This is one of our worship leaders. And you might, you might hear from the, the, the stage some prophetic like, you don't know it's a prophetic thing, but it hits you. And it's just like, whoa, that was so for me. That's, that's prophetic. That's the prophetic. That's a specific word from God happening at a specific time. And it's something that was shown to her at a time when she was like leading worship and God just revealed something to her. That's how the prophetic works. So my hope in reading these stories and personal experiences and insights is that we might demystify some of this and help us to realize that maybe God is wanting to and maybe even is speaking to us more often than we realize. But maybe we're just not aware of it. Maybe we just write it off. Now, I'm not saying we should over-spiritualize everything and every, like, like new emotion <laughs> from God should be like, whoa, God's speaking to me. Who am I supposed to tell that? That's not what I'm saying here, right? But I do want us to be attuned to the possibility that God is speaking to us more often than we probably realize. And listen, this is a double-edged sword, though, because on one hand, we should agree with the sentiment of Paul when he's like, I wish that more of you were prophesying. 
I wish that more of you were prophesying. But on the other hand, spiritual gifts, just like human gifts, take time to develop and grow in. That is the case with the spiritual gift of teaching, right? Like, I think John Piper is an incredible preacher. But I bet if I heard his early, early, early tapes from like the first year of preaching, that they'd be terrible. I know this was the case for me as a worship leader. I may have had the gift, but it was so undeveloped. It had to be developed. And it was like 50-50 if I was going to nail it or not. I've grown in that gift now. And though I don't nail it all the time, there's a lot more growth. And there's a lot more effectiveness in that gift. So that means sometimes with the gift of prophecy, we're going to nail it. And sometimes we're going to totally blow it and miss it. Which means that prophecy requires great humility on the part of the one prophesying and great grace on the part of the one receiving. But that doesn't mean that we don't exercise the gift just because we're not batting a thousand. Nobody bats a thousand with the spiritual gifts. The more we use it, though, and the more we give each other feedback and accountability and help each other grow in it, the more accurate and effective we will be in using the gift. That is how all of the gifts work, especially the prophetic ones. Moving on. The New Testament gift of prophecy is different from the Old Testament office of prophet. When we talk about the gift of prophecy or people prophesying, it is important and crucial to note that we are not talking about the same thing as the office of an Old Testament prophet. Old Testament office of prophet was like this. God would select someone who had a very special nature and destiny that was rare to his generation and would put his leadership on him and speak to only him or a few for that generation. Old Testament prophets spoke the very words of God and as such had absolute authority in what they said. To disobey an Old Testament prophet was to disobey God. As such, they had tremendous responsibility. When they were wrong, they were held accountable with their lives. (laughs) If you messed up as an Old Testament prophet, you were killed. Because the Old Testament prophet's words were expected to be the exact authoritative words of God. The New Testament prophecy, thank God, is not so. Lastly, their words became Scripture. The words of the Old Testament prophets became Scripture. And if an Old Testament prophet didn't speak when God showed them something or misspoke on behalf of God, then all of God's people could be misled. Thank the Lord that God has not given us the same kind of authority and responsibility to those who have the New Testament gift of prophecy, as we see in Scripture. Speaking of which, here's how the New Testament gift of prophecy is different from the Old Testament office of prophet. New Testament gift of prophecy, we now have the completed Bible, and it holds absolute authority for what God speaks. Amen. (laughs) To obey Scripture— is to obey, disobey God. Not to disobey somebody who has a prophetic word for you. <clears throat> Since we have completed Scripture, the New Testament gift of prophecy is not the reporting of the very words of God. Rather, it is reporting in human words something from the heart of God that he has brought to mind or heart. And because we are involved in it and we are faulty people, there may be some faultiness in it. 
You may hear a word from someone, it's like, wow, yes, wow, yes, no, wow, yes, wow. You know what I mean? The word may not be 100% like, yes, wow, that's totally from God. Because maybe we're in interjecting some of our own personal, oh, I think this is happening, or even our own personal experience. And that is where the growing and uh, teaching and accountability comes in us learning more and more to discern Oh, okay, that's, no, that's just me. That's just my good thought about what I think God's wanting to say about this situation. But that and that, I understand now what it feels like and what the sense is when God is actually really speaking there. So nowadays, the only thing that has the same authority as an Old Testament prophet's words is Scripture. The Bible has become the absolute authority over our lives. So if someone tells you to move because God has told them that you will not thrive in that city— and it doesn't feel like God himself is asking you to move, you don't have to move. The Bible isn't telling you to move, and neither is the Spirit. There will be no negative consequences to obeying God, although there will be for following man. Now, certain communities in the Christian world treat the voice of the prophet and the authority of the Bible as the same thing, but they are not. We just don't see that in Scripture. So that is the what and the what it is not. Now for the why, which will not be as long. What is the purpose of the gift of prophecy? This is the why. You should already be in 1 Corinthians 14. So let's see the first part of the why here in 1 Corinthians 14.3. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Prophecy can be for the purpose of strengthening, encouraging, and comforting others. We saw this with the story from that brother in our church who whispered in the person's ear. God was speaking in order to encourage and comfort. Now, of course, the gift of prophecy is not the only way that God encourages, comforts, or strengthens. But it is part of how he does it. And it is part of one of the purposes of the gift of prophecy. Prophecy can also be for the purpose of convicting non-believers. Still in 1 Corinthians 14, skip down to verse 24. Paul writing says, But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed. That's words of knowledge. And they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God truly is here among you. Wow, the power of the prophetic. Prophecy may also be for the purpose of instructing. Skip down to verse 31. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after another so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Turn back to uh, Acts chapter 13, if you would. We're going to see two more purposes for which God gives the gift of prophecy. So here in Acts chapter 13, the church is gathered together at Antioch, and they're praying and waiting on God for some direction. They need some direction in their lives, like many of us have. Maybe even this morning, like many of us do. And God speaks prophetically a specific word to the specific group at a specific time for a specific purpose. And it says in Acts 13, verse 2, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. Here we see that prophecy may also be for the purpose of directing and guiding. This is what happened with Emily and I when we knew that God was calling us to come help start Reality Carpinteria. Now over to Acts chapter 27. 
Acts 27, starting verse 8. Acts 27, verse 8 says, We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Now listen to this prophecy that Paul's about to give. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Paul was hearing something prophetic about the future. So here we see that prophecy can also be for the purpose of predicting. We saw that in that story from the the family in our church who a baby was coming and there was going to be pregnancy difficulties. And we're going to finish with this. Back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14. When Paul is talking about the gifts and specifically prophecy— in 1 Corinthians 14, back to 1 Corinthians 14, he says something profound here, guys. This is it. This is like the key to everything. So don't zone out yet. He says something profound that we often gloss over or don't even really connect to the gifts of the Spirit. But the most profound and important part of what Paul says about the gifts is found at the onset of this chapter. He starts off this whole section. By saying this, we read it earlier, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. Let love. Paul is laying the foundation for everything that he is about to say. And he is cluing us into something profound. That love is at the heart of all of this. And here is the deal. Listen, guys, here is the deal with love. Love is about people, not information. Love is about people, not information. This is key with prophecy. Love is always relational. Love always has an object. You could receive a prophecy and even speak it to a church without any relational connectivity and without any relational accountability. But you can't do that with love. You have to have an object. Love has to have an object. You can't just love the air. See, when we disconnect prophecy from love and relationship, we begin to emaciate the purpose of the gift and disconnect it from the love nature that is of God and the relational aspect that God intended it to be practiced in. See, the gifts of the Spirit are only mentioned a few times in the New Testament. Just a handful of times. And even when they're mentioned, they're not all mentioned all the times. It's almost like this secondary issue. But you know what is talked about all the time? Relationship. God's talking about our identity as sons and daughters and our, our, us as, our identity as co-heirs with Christ and how we ought to relate to one another and how we ought to relate to God. I mean, why did Jesus come and die? Some of us were taught Jesus came to die to forgive us of our sins. Period. End of story. But for what purpose? Because sin was the roadblock to relationship. That's why Jesus came and died for our sin. To remove the roadblock to bring us back into intimate, special union with God as it was intended to be in the beginning. It's all about relationship. Paul said that I may know him. He wasn't talking about knowing knowledge. He was talking about experiential 
knowledge, knowing through relationship. It's all about relationship. And so while on the surface there is this purpose of prophecy that looks like this one-dimensional version of, uh, uh, for the purpose of strengthening and encouraging and, and predicting and teaching and directing, what makes prophecy, what gives prophecy dimension is relationship and love. The gift of prophecy should be practiced in, through, and for the purpose of loving relationship with God and one another. And guys, listen, it's so important. We have to keep this in mind when prophesying church. The prophetic is not just about information. God is never in the business of just distributing information. He is in the business of distributing or translating his heart. Right? Now here's the tricky part. Often prophecy is just information. (laughs) That's all that God gives you. For instance, God may give you a word of knowledge that's just information. It just says, that woman over there who you don't know and know nothing about, she just lost her mother. And that may be all that you get. It is one-dimensional information. But since God is not in the business of just dispensing information, apart from his relational love nature, the prophetic may start with information, but we need to know the purpose for it is love. So we need to be patient and sit with God and say, yeah, Lord, but what is your heart saying? What is your heart saying about this information you are giving me? What do you also want her to know about her situation, about how you see her situation, about how you see her in her situation? And so all of a sudden, it's not just the knowledge that her mom died recently, and that is obviously a tragic time, but you, as you are searching for the loving nature of God in all of this, you begin to tap into the, the reality that, Whoa, God is near to the brokenhearted. That's what the Bible says. Whoa, that God is not going to leave her or forsake her. That's what the Bible says. Oh my gosh, Jesus sticks closer than a brother. He, he is acquainted with grief and sorrow and weeps with those who weep. That's what mourns with those who weep. That's what the Bible says. And then all of the sudden, this one-dimensional word of knowledge has been infused with God's love. And you're able to come and join that in with the truth of who God is and his love and speak this thing that's not just one-dimensional information but now has the infusion of the love of God and becomes this two-dimensional thing. God may give you a prophetic word as a word of knowledge. God may give you a prophetic word for a guy and all you get is tell him it's time for a career change. It's just one-dimensional information. But as you wait on God and tune into the heart of God, it begins to move from that, which is just a cold uh, instruction from a, like a commander in an army to a soldier, just like it's time to move, to all of a sudden a motivation of a loving father, which is what it is, who wants to show his son what he is meant for. It, it starts to become about what God sees in him in his life. And all of a sudden, it can become about, like, God calling out something that he put in this man that he didn't even see. And God saw this gold in him because God put it in him, and he's calling it out. Right? And as we begin to sit with this one-dimensional information of, it's time for a career change, son. All of a sudden, it gets the the loving, relational nature of God infused into it. It becomes this two-dimensional thing. Guys, this is life-changing stuff. This is what prophecy, by the power of the Spirit, has the power to do in the body of Christ and was intended to do. Prophecy is not just God wanting to share his information with us, but his heart with us. 
And prophecy can open our eyes to see something about God or ourselves that only God had previously ever seen or known. This is what the Spirit does through this beautiful gift. That's 1 Corinthians 2, right? No eye has seen, no uh, ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But these things are revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. For no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, through his gifts, brings a smack dab in the middle of this Trinitarian love that is shared between Father, Son, and Spirit. And he begins to reveal to us the heart of the Father and the Son. And everything he speaks and does works in symphony with the Father and the Son. Which brings us to the how, which we're going to talk about next week. What's the motivation? What's the goal? And how do we practice the gift of prophecy? Guys, do you see now why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and is like, I, above all things, above all other gifts, earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. Earnestly desire that you may prophesy into people's lives. The prophetic gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge, sometimes even a word of wisdom, have the ability to prove God's love faster than anything else to the world around us. What happens in 25 therapy sessions can happen in a moment, a moment of God speaking prophetically. What happens in months of life coaching, God can just in a minute through the prophetic all of a sudden just make everything clear and give you direction. Oh, how God is wanting to give us more and more of himself. Most of us have just scratched the surface, I think, of who God is and who he wants to be in our lives. But this is what God wants to do through the body, through the members of his body, as each one is using their gifts. God is wanting more and more of himself to be put on display and revealed through us to the world around us. That's like your workplace. Do you realize that as you walk into your workplace, because you carry with you the presence of God, that as you step into like the room, the spiritual atmosphere can literally change? Because you carry with you the presence of God. But so often we're so self-consumed with our own plan, our own agendas, even our own insecurities or fear that we like shut ourselves off from even being used in that way. It's like we dam up the, the, the dam, right? It's like put up the dam because we're whatever, for whatever reason. And God is like, no, dude, I want, I want my presence to like, whoo, into this room. All of a sudden everything can change. How crazy would it be for someone to experience the profound love of God in that way, not just because they were convinced with intellectual good apologetics, which there's certainly a time for, but because God showed up in power through you moving in the prophetic in their lives. That's the kind of stuff that God wants to do, guys. So pursue love, chase after it, let it be your motivator, let it be your inspiration, and eagerly desire and ask the Holy Spirit to move through you to prophesy into people's lives that they might encounter the saving power of Jesus and the life-changing love of the Father. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the, the band to come on up. So here's the deal. <clears throat> Some of you guys are like, Woo, I'm ready to prophesy. Prophesy. I got words right now. I'm a, here we go. What do I do? I'm not going to talk much about this, but... In a big gathering like this, here's the practicalness of it. Somebody gets some word over here that's like, this is for the whole room, I really believe that. They just start yelling it out. More than 10 feet away, you can't hear nothing. So 
if the gifts are for the edification of the body, right, for the strengthening and encouraging of one another, ain't nobody strengthened or encouraged like that. It just sounds like this from the other side of the room. Ain't nobody strengthened by that. So here's the deal. If you're in a room like this, and you're like, man, I really believe God just gave me this word or this picture, and it is for the church right now. Here's how we handle that. You come to one of the elders, myself, Chad, or Billy, and you say, hey, man, I, I really believe this is uh, a word for us. You share the word with us. We'll take that. We'll, we'll sit with it with you, and if we believe, yeah, yeah, you're right, then we'll bring you up on stage. We'll quiet down the music, and we'll introduce you and say, here we go. Let's, let's share this word. Often, though, most often, the way that the prophetic is shared is in smaller groups where everybody can really benefit for it, or personally, one-on-one has been my experience. But if that happens, man, we take that as, as it comes. So with that, let's pray together. Lord, I want to ask, like Paul told us to, that you would move our hearts to see the benefits of the prophetic in such a way that we would begin to earnestly desire it. Just like I see the benefit of a super healthy, optimal body, and I'm like, man, what can I do to work toward that? Lord, would you show us the benefits of the prophetic working through our lives, in our lives and those around us in your kingdom, so that we might earnestly desire And Lord, we ask that you would unveil our eyes to see the world like you see the world. Open our hearts and minds to comprehend and see like you do. And I want to ask, Lord, even in this room right now, that you would, by your Spirit, just begin to speak into people's lives in the way that only you can prophesy into somebody's life. Maybe that's through someone else. Maybe that's just through your word or through a vision or a dream to somebody, through a picture. I ask that you would come and, and you would do that, Lord.